Welcome to the Speckled Bees, a celebration of childhood. I'm Lucy. And I'm Spencer. And you are joining us for our weekly conversation on all things early childhood development and education related. Each episode, we dive into a topic that we hope excites you as much as it excites us. So this week, this is like a really hard stop, turnaround, gear shift kind of a topic, I feel like. We've been talking about all of these like... It's important. Yeah, it's important. Um, We're going to talk about um, grief. Yeah, I think that a lot of things, I mean, everything has just been heavy and weird for forever. Well, and especially the last two years, especially. We're living in a really unprecedented time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really weird. Everything is just crazy. Everything is hard. And this kind of topic kind of came to a head as I was preparing the bug episode, actually, because I was talking about how nature is not always beautiful. And in some cases it's kind of gross or ugly. And it reminded me of this story that is not actually mine, but I think I'm okay telling it. Um, (laughs) But I've mentioned before, one of my mentors is this awesome, awesome lady, Elle. She has just taught me most of what I know. She is just really, really, really cool. She taught my school how to do outdoor education. So really like my whole specialty derived from her. I can't say enough cool, good things about her. She's really awesome. But I was able to present with her in Washington, D.C. at a NACI conference, and she taught me so much about respecting the earth and looking to Native American culture as a reference as she's an Alaskan native. Very cool. Yeah, she's so cool. One day I'll be like her. When I grow up, I'll be like hell. Um, <laughs> but uh, like that. She, she told a story in the presentation that we gave that really has stuck with me. So she was leading a group of teachers and students through the Tetons of Idaho. Tetons are very beautiful. Oh my gosh. One of my dreams to go. That, that is like the reason I miss Idaho. <laughs> um, that and Yellowstone, but um, they came upon a dead bull on their path. And this was the path that they traveled every single class. So the children were really, really fascinated by this dead bull. And it was in a state of partial decay with a bunch Mm. of insects eating on the carcass and they stopped to watch it. And it led them into this really interesting conversation on death and how we honor a life that is finished up on this earth. And the children came up with the idea to gather leaves and flowers to cover the bull's body. How sweet. Even telling this, it gives me chills. Like as they, the children were doing it, they were really like quiet and res- respectful. And so this unsettling encounter ended up becoming kind of a sacred and hallowed moment. And I think this is just like a really awesome. Are you going to cry, Spencer? <laughs> no, just, I, I just think it's so... I'm very easily moved by moments of value when people value each other, value an item. Mm -hmm. It means a lot to me because you're putting worth on something and they put worth on that animal. And that's really, really sweet. Yeah. You always say like these like really profound thoughts and I'm like, yeah, that's my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
I think that that moment really, really embodies this idea that we talk about a lot, that children are capable of a lot more than we give them credit for. Amen. Like sometimes they have a better grasp on what is going on than we do as adults. Sometimes they're better at processing things. And obviously we do not want to put heavy things on them needlessly, but when we give them the respect to include them in hard topics in a calm, consistent, and age-appropriate way, we can empower them. So I... This is like a really heavy way to start off this episode, but, um, I wanted to jumped ahead a little red, but you're about to say, <laughs> and it's like, um, uh, but it is what it is. And I hope, hopefully the way that I'm talking in kind of like a light way is not offensive to anyone. I just feel like it kind of goes with the topic of hard things and we just move on and we can deal with them. But, um, I wanted to talk about something that I feel like everyone, probably the age of this uh, podcast. I think, I think like we're listeners. the last age group that can really yeah, talk that about probably this. can really remember it, but, um, this is in kind of the right demographic of like this really life altering event, which was September 11th, 2001 or nine 11. And I think we can all remember where we were and what happened during that time. So I wanted to ask you to share your experience, Spencer, what you remember. Yeah, I actually feel bad because I, I, that's why I made the small comment. I, I'm right at that tail end. I was in, mm. um, I was in first grade when 9 11 oh. happened. So I was, I was very young. I also lived in England at the time. Oh. So what, okay. for us, this happening was so hush. Uh, the way I remember it was I was going to the American School of London. So we were directly affected. A lot of people that worked there were diplomats, but with a lot of ties to the World Trade Center. I just remember an announcement over the loudspeaker. We were going home early. Nobody talked about it. And it was a very solemn moment, but that was it. It was very nonchalant. Nobody discussed it. And the mood was just a quiet one. That's all I remember was quiet. Things were very quiet. Nobody said anything. Nobody reacted. And I didn't quite even understand it until a few years later. I I was kept so hushed from it. It was very strange. Yeah, it was super weird. Yeah, um, mine was like, I was just living on the other side of the country when it happened. So like, I remember before school, my mom, like listening to the radio and just like making a bunch of awful sounds. <laughs> That's like a horrible way to put it, but, but like her just kind of like gasping being like, what, like what, what happened? Um, and then like people talking about, but then my family was particularly like kind of afraid. Cause this was like a couple months before we moved to Virginia, um, Ooh. and moved to this area, uh, where this was happening. And so I went from people just kind of talking about it on like the fringes of like, wow, that bad thing that happened to moving here and having people like on the school bus be like, yeah, my dad was in the, like worked there, but he didn't go to work that day. And like, um, it is crazy. The connection that the DC area has. Yeah. Yeah. With the Pentagon. And a much, I don't, I was, I was going to say smaller scale. That's not the right term. No, no. Smaller, physically smaller. Yeah. Physically scale. smaller scale. And I think it's, it's kind of, when people talk about it, they do talk about like the two towers. You think of it, it as most... a New York thing, 
probably because of the physical scale, that being so much more devastation. A little like patriotic here. One of the other things too is as an expatriate, like literally that is, that was my like demographic definition for a long time. Um, fun fact, fun fact, if you went to Facebook, I don't know if you can still do this, but I did this in like 2013, Facebook actually groups their users into certain categories based on user data. Uh I was expatriate was my category on Facebook because I, I moved overseas. Like I was an American citizen, but I didn't live here. Um, and I won't lie. Like I, yeah, well it, it, you know, I, okay. So I guess as an expatriate, I do (laughs) think that was accurate because now I feel very repatriotized. I I got very into American culture when I moved here. I'm very enthused about the history and like, you know, the feelings of Americanism and two things that I think has really helped that is a is like the internet. First off, I did not know how devastating nine 11 was because I didn't live here mm-hmm. until I, a lot of the videos I've seen, like in the last few years alone. Mm-hmm. And the other thing as well was speaking of grief and maybe like process was we, um, my husband and I took a cross country road trip of the U S and so we circled from DC down through the Southern States and then back up through the middle States. So like Kansas, Illinois, Indiana, et cetera. Right. And on the way back, we were always aiming to stop at big roadside attractions every day. So like, whether it was the oh, world, love that. Yeah. It was really like the world's fastest carousel in uh, Kansas. And the world's tallest chair, which was in Arkansas, like little oh, things like so that. So cool. So then we're driving through Pennsylvania and I was looking for a roadside attraction and it was the, um, the, the, the memorial site crash of that. What was it? Flight, flight 93. And I got to say, it was one of the most solemn in a, like just sad experiences because I don't know if you've ever been to this memorial site. It's so, Mm-mm. it's very beautiful. They kept the field as intact as possible. And um, it's just like this really long, very dark wall that follows the path the plane crashed in. And it has all the names of the victims on it. And it's just like really... Oh, wow. And it's just in this field. There's nothing else around it. It's very quiet. It's very solemn. And I don't... It was just... It was very upsetting to kind of be there but also really like 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 moving because it was just no no it was a very quiet memorial to a really big deal that from a bunch of brave people so yeah interesting yeah yeah interesting times yeah thanks for for sharing that that's interesting yeah and i (laughs) i didn't even think about uh how you were not in the united states at the time so yeah it would be very different but like i think that what tends like it was in your story and mine and what tends to be in all the stories that uh, in most of the stories, I guess that I've heard from that time is where people didn't quite talk about it directly, but we all knew something was happening. We didn't know what was happening, but we all knew something was happening. So children are going to know that something is going on, whether or not we say something Um, And by talking, we bring it into the light and address fears. We model how to handle tragedy and we strengthen a relationship between ourselves and 
the children as, as we build that trust. So I think it's a really important thing to do and it's a really hard thing to do. So we're going to talk about it today. <laughs> so ready. the first idea, like the first, I don't, a uh, roadmap, I guess let's, let's call this like the that. roadmap the to talking stop. about grief and <laughs> heavy, heavy topics with children is to share your feelings with the child. And I, I think this is kind of like laying the groundwork. This comes before this book becomes before the weird topic, um, the hard topic. This is daily conversations that about real feelings that normalize emotions. And that way, when you do share your feelings about heavier topics, some sort of tragedy that happens, it won't be quite as scary or overwhelming to your child or to you as the teacher or parent, you know, to be able to talk about your feelings is just a healthy thing in general. No, and I agree. It's like many things in life. If you're familiar with it, it's a little less scary. And I do think that, unfortunately, I I don't know how to rightly do this, but I've had a discussion with my husband. I think it's better to be forefront about things, including these hard conversations. Like I honestly could have an easier time talking to kids, my children about not kids, my children about stranger danger and the fact that people can hurt you. I think I'd have an easier time with that conversation than I would with this one. I think death is such a difficult conversation in any mm-hmm. capacity. It, well, it is because um, we kind of cover this in a minute, but like death is also not something that is developmentally appropriate for children to understand. Like developmentally, they yeah. do not understand this concept of forever. Right. And then it's like, but what if it happens to them? Like, how are you... Yeah, so we're having it's, this conversation. It's, it's a super tricky subject. By the way, some of this is my like opinions and thoughts, but the majority of this, I took this from several different articles by people a lot more qualified to talk about this than me. I promise I'll link my mm-hmm. uh, sources and um, yeah, I'll, I'll link a lot of resources at the end of this and in our, in our show notes. So go there. So when you're going into a situation Uh, you want to guide the conversation. So you can think about what you are going to say. It's okay to practice it ahead of time to mirror with another adult. Even some planning might make it easier on you. You'll feel more comfortable. You won't have to just think about it off the top of your head. And I think that it is okay. Uh, I think there's kind of two schools of thought on this of like, uh, I don't want to share bad things with children. Then you have the other side where it's like, I need to share everything all the time. And which is kind of what I delve into, but I, it is a lifelong journey to learn how to control your emotions. I I keep seeing TikToks about this, especially you don't want to emotion bomb your child. Yeah. First off, I, unpopular opinion, your child's not your friend. It's your child at the end of the day, a and B, they There's shouldn't lots of be time the in the future for to be a friend with your child. Exactly. I love my friendship with my parents now. I know yeah. not 10 years ago, not when I was 16. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't, that, that's yeah. weird. But yeah, no, it's, there's a time and a place. And as well as the fact that you don't want your child to become a, a, a sponge for your mm-hmm. emotions. Yeah. So and I, that's, I totally that's not their job. Their job should not be. No. And if you think it is, to, like, there's comfort wrong. you. Or to, yeah, they shouldn't have to care for your emotions. 
they should care about your emotions um, and be respectful of your emotions, but yeah, they, they should not be in charge of them. So I think that it is a good thing to step back. You can take a moment, take a beat and calm yourself down and talk about it when you are ready. And even I think that is a good thing to address. And I don't remember. I remember my mom like gasping and making those sounds. I don't remember what she said exactly. So I don't want to even say that she like never talked to us. I'm not trying to accuse my mom of not doing this right. I promise. Um, But like, it's hard to do any of this right in in, in any capacity. (laughs) Yeah. I would hope that she actually didn't talk to me immediately with all her like, fear and think I like again I don't I don't quite remember that but yeah like it's it's really a good thing to take a moment and to even talk to your child about that and say like I was really feeling very scared and having a lot of big feelings in that moment and so I needed a second to collect my emotions and I'm ready to talk to you about it now uh, that's that's dialogue that you would hope that your child would have with you that if they have too many emotions that they can take a step back and calm themselves down until they're ready to talk to you. Um, Then the next is to find a quiet moment. So find a moment that you can actually dedicate to this topic. So this article said like, perhaps it's after dinner or, or while making the next day's lunch. I like that. I like both of those topics because that those moments, they're not too quiet. Let me just say they, there's something to occupy yourself with. Yeah. Um, uh, where did I hear that? This is something like that. Also good moments are when you don't have to look at each other. I don't know where you heard it, but I totally agree. Yeah. So like something where you are making food side by side, um, or walks are an amazing one to have like really harder, deeper conversations, car rides. I was a guest on a podcast a little while ago. Um, how to moms. She actually, one of the girls, Jessica had her mom on and they talked about it. I don't remember any of the specific details, but they talked about how like car talks were like the best thing ever. And I think part of it is because you don't have to look at each other. I enjoy car talks for that reason. So yeah, I've noticed that personally, I really enjoy um, whether it's coffee, tea, wine, a cocktail, uh, water. I'd like conversations best with anybody when I have a drink in my mm, hand yeah. because I can sip and look down while I'm conversing with them, or I can make eye contact as I will. And yeah. I enjoy that control over the conversation. I know that's a much more minor point, but you know, maybe that's why in a lot of subtle scenes in a movie, you see them drinking like tea and mm-hmm. sitting like mm-hmm. sitting down well, with each other. I think also there's some commitment to the moment when you have like a drink, like you're probably going to stay there until you at least finish your drink or something, you know, like, I think these moments where you're having a harder conversation, it's nice to have a, a commitment or like, even like a car ride where we are in the car for at least this amount of time or a hike. We're walking for at least this amount of time. We at least have to have until we turn around and go back to our house, you know, so exactly, it's not a good time, right? When you're, you know, you have five minutes or you're going to be late for the bus or things like that. Oh my God. Can you imagine having that conversation that heavy during a moment of rushed, like, <laughs> Bye, oh, no, see you no, later. No. Oh, what? what? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, so can I just preface a bit of this conversation? Yeah. I, was like, I don't have a lot of experience with grief. 
I've lost a few people. I I don't have a lot of grief experience to be blunt. Okay. Well, I actually, death is definitely a topic that I was thinking of, but I was even thinking of lots of things cause grief for children that are not super heavy things. Like for them, it could be, they lost a toy and that's a big, big grief thing. They're never going to get that toy back. That's a big loss for them. I did go to a really good training once um, when I was a teacher in Richmond and the training was how to understand that children conceptualize grief on many formats. And they had actually done a study and it had shown that I'm not laughing at the child. I'm laughing at how interesting this is. It's that a child, what was the equivalent? Like they had done like a study of like how children emotionally reacted and the loss, the loss of a pet or a grandparent, a move in the family, divorce, yep. and a new bed, all four could rank in the same level yeah, of trauma of, of and upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Change is hard. It's any kind of change is hard. Yeah. <laughs> things that upset their routine, upset their life. And well, and I, I even think one thing that I was thinking about right now, we don't have to get political, but there have been some political decisions that are really like really upsetting for uh, certain groups of people. And so I think a lot of us have been having a really hard time feeling a lot of grief and it's not grief that our children are experiencing, but they know that we're experiencing grief. So I, I so thank you for saying that. Cause I kind of wanted to even say that of, thank you. It doesn't have to be a combined grief of like a grandparent dying that is definitely in the category, but there's a lot of different grief that we go through in our lives. A lot of different heavy topics that come up that you, you still need to talk to your child, even when it's something that they don't care about because they're going to know. It's like when those I've had several times, this always happens when you're having a bad day at work, when you work with children, like, and just having a really hard off day and you'll have a child go like, Miss Lucy, are you sad today? And you'll just be like, <sighs> yeah, yes, I really was really confident that I was hiding it very well. Like I have a very good work personality. Like I, I'm very compartmentalized. Been very I good about that. Yeah. I think for the most part, I keep my cool and chill no matter what is happening personally or something. Colleagues will never know. A child right. will know. They have a lot of intuition. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. So definitely thank you for bringing that up because I think that they're are a lot of topics that a lot of times that grief is being experienced other than just a death. It's hard. A grief, grief is, is mourning the loss of anything. And I do agree at that point. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, and now I said, I have lost a lot of grandparents in the last few years, but it's just, you know, I, when I think of grief, I feel like for some people it's a lot more poignant. So like they've right. had some really aggressive forms of grief. So yeah. That's why this next one is really, I love this. I don't know that I would have thought about this by myself, but the next one. So you've planned this conversation. You found a quiet moment. The next step is to find out what they know. So you don't have to just dive in and go, for example, maybe there was a shooting at school or a bomb set off in another country. You can ask them, or you should ask them, like, what have you heard about it? What do you think about this? And then you just listen, 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 and listen more. Ask more questions until they've really said what they know, what they feel. Because 
maybe they haven't noticed you're off and maybe you don't have to talk about it that much. <laughs> like maybe just say this, something happened and I'm feeling a little bit sad right now. So I just need a little extra help. Or it may be that they're really upset about something. Maybe they're way more upset than you even know because right. somebody said something that was confusing to them. So they're, yeah, yeah, like we'll talk about this in a second, but yeah, you can't answer questions. You don't know what questions your child has yet. You can't answer ones that you don't even know exist. So start off the conversation by listening to your child and that will map out the conversation for you a lot. I like that. I like the mapping it out because it's, again, this is never a right way to approach the subject. So just taking the time to take your time with this. This is not something you need to dive into. Yeah. And what, what was that term that you use? Like emotion bombing, emotion bombing. Yeah. I love that term. The, the, the way I've always seen it described in videos I don't think I was emotion bombed as a kid, but I've seen people who got emotion bombed. Yeah. Yeah. Your parents going, your dad is stressing me out. Your dad is making me so upset. Gosh, I wish your mother would just cut it out. Can you believe these people? Aren't they ridiculous? You're putting your feelings on them. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you were saying to them, I'm really upset right now. And you, you, you can be upset as well. Like, and you're using these heightened words and more so it's not the words too. It's the way I'm talking right now, this like my, my breath is very fast. My tone is very high. It's like, think about how you're going to approach this. Keep the situation calm, Mm -hmm. like a, like a host negotiate, like a, like a, you know, hostage (laughs) negotiator. Don't elevate the situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that that is a great way to start out. If you're, if you're worried about that, you're not going to start off emotion bombing your child if you're figuring out where they are first and then you can match where they are. Well, you don't even necessarily want to match where they are unless they are already calm and then you yeah. don't have a problem. Also, can I just say, well, actually you're getting to it. I'll get to it. The next topic I have since about. <laughs> okay. This one I think is super important. Okay. Evan feels very strongly about this point. Yeah. So tell the truth. You're going to lay out the facts at a level they can understand. You do not need to give graphic details. You don't need to give too many details, just straight into the point. Totally truthful. Yeah. For young children, you may need to have conversations about what death means. And this article, it talks about like no longer feeling anything and not hungry, thirsty, scared, or hurting. We will never see them again but we can hold their memories in our hearts and heads go. But going back to our nature topic our na- nature and bug topics, this is actually a subject that we regularly talk about with Leo because it comes up so much when you're out in nature, you just encounter death a lot more. So like, we'll see the dead shriveled up worms on the sidewalk or like an abandoned egg. And we have lots of conversations about the way that we approach it is by saying its body stopped working. It's dead. And like trying to use that of like, its body's not working anymore and it's not going to work anymore. But yeah. So I think this is also similar to the emotion conversation, talking about emotions regularly with your child. This is a good groundwork to be laid, to talk about death regularly with things that are not so important because this is such an abstract concept for young children. 
uh, we have been talking to Leo about this since like birth pretty much. And he still thinks of death as like sleeping or being sick. It's not, it's not infinite to him. It's always very finite. So they're likely not going to understand it. We don't need to push it, but just keep talking about it. And so that, you know, it's like what the situation with like, you know, when a kid's goldfish dies and the parent like gets them a replacement one and doesn't tell them it's just the same one that has lived for like 11 years. You're kind of, you're missing out opportunities to prepare them for this real thing that will happen. That will touch their lives at some point and hopefully not traumatically or graphically, but it will happen and it's not good to not prepare them. You got to be upfront with it. Again, this is Evan's really big thing is that he will, I I'm going to be very careful with him and how he handles it, but he wants to be very blunt and honest with our kids. And I'm like, yeah, no, I believe and understand that. So don't use roundabout language. There's lots of things that we say, like saying a person passed away or went to the big sleep or things like that can be super confusing. Um, even religious language, like went to a better place cannot be super helpful for a little person who's still very literal. That being said though, the idea of an afterlife can be very helpful to a grieving child. So if you have religious beliefs about the afterlife, you can talk to them about it in tandem with the idea of death. Um, yeah. So like when a person dies, I believe they go. But this is still like a hard thing because they think if they can go to a place, why can't they come to this place? So oh, it's like yeah, tricky. That's so... It's such a, and like as a super religious person, the, the, I want to say that, like, I'm not saying that religious talk is bad, I promise. But you just, you really want to tread carefully on that and like make it very clear that this person is gone, is dead, or this animal is dead, or like the goldfish is dead. But just because he doesn't have his body anymore, his, you know, his spirit is going somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know exactly how you, I'm not trying to tell you how to talk religion to your kids. That is not what this podcast is about. Just, just, just advice as to how to carefully handle this conversation, because please like that, especially on the religion front. Okay. So one of my favorite stories in regards to this point, this actually was the story I was going to tell, but it made me think about this. I very much enjoy faith. And I enjoy the the portion of like believing in good things to come. I will never forget reading this book when I was a child. It really messed me up. And I still think about this book. It was about this little girl. And I have a dad who travels a lot. He still does. He's a journalist and he will always travel. And in this book, this girl tells her dad before he goes on a business trip, um, come home safe. And he goes, of course, like, of course I will. And the whole book is about how her dad dies in a car accident on his way to this trip. And he comes back as a ghost and like a spirit. And she has to like, kind of go through the grieving process, but like basically letting go of him. The part that was incorrect about this book to me in every way was there is a statement in this book. I'm trying to, it was, she said it the ghost said it or someone said it to her your dad died because he promised god he'd be safe what? and you can never make a promise it literally they I say hate, i hate that i hate that the book said the and it really messed me up because the book said that her dad died because he made a promise 
and no, you can't keep any promises in this world. And it really messed me up. It, like that was literally what it said was he That's shouldn't have said, horrible. I'll be home safe. He shouldn't have said that. And let me just say my point with this is that please don't be fin- like, don't be so finite with children. <laughs> be truthful, be honest. Don't be finite. Don't be everything happens for a reason. I've read so many grief studies. Things don't happen for a reason. That's so harsh. Yeah. Well, even, even if things happen, that's not always like, that is a helpful thing for like, sometimes that is a helpful thing for me to already know. It's not a helpful thing for people to tell me when I'm grieving. So yeah, I think there's better keeping it just very, very, this is what happened. This is how I am feeling. How are you feeling? Kind of truth that, can be kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it in that formula. Uh, well, and like, yeah, like there. Yeah, I don't to just just keep it in that simple format. That little puzzle. This is what happened. This is how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? Like I, I also like the the use of the I am statements in that because as many a therapist or psychologist tell you using I am statements, which means you're projecting your own personal feelings outwards and not using, I think you, you should feel not using you statements. So you're not yeah. subjectifying your feelings onto somebody else specifically <laughs> in the situation, your child. Uh, <laughs> I, we've been talking a lot about TV tonight. I clearly watch too much TV, <laughs> but, um, there is an episode of Modern Family where the little boy is like friends with the like old neighbor and the old neighbor dies and the mom like oh, freaks no. out because she's like, oh, he's going to be so upset. And they tell him and he's just like, oh, OK. And he's really old. Like and like oh. I the whole the whole time they're like freaking out that he's not processing this correctly and the mom like she smiles every time she tells people he died and people are like what are you doing and she's like it's a coping mechanism I guess I don't it's 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 a funny episode but they're really upset because the little boy steals a tv from this guy's house and he's like what are you talking about like he said I could take he said I could take one thing and I chose the tv um (laughs) anyways it turns out at the end the tv he could see every night from his window so he knew his friend was up and like he you know like so it like really meant a lot to this child but I I think that is something we do a lot as adults is we project it like this is how you should be handling this this is how you should be feeling this is how you should be thinking you know and project that onto our children and it doesn't really give them the space to think and feel their real feelings, which we all actually get that, get to that in a second. We'll talk more about that in a second. Oh, um, but I did like this idea of you can build a scrapbook or plant something that represents the person you have lost to help, help give them some closure. Especially because being religious sometimes gives people some closure. And if you are not religious, you obviously don't pretend you're religious and like, you know, you don't have to tell your child things that you think are lies. You can find a way to find closure in other ways and help your child find closure in other ways. 
so Evans, like he has a bunch of other mothers. They're all from the family he grew up with. One of them is very, very crafty. And she has in her garden, um, little garden steps, uh, mosaic stepping stones dedicated to each one of her friends that has passed away. And oh, so she spends time so making sweet. these. Yeah, it's really nice. That's so they're sweet. like with her all the time. It's really cute. I want to be a tree. That is that is my plan. I that, that's love I that from John. Like or John already knows that that is. I that have is talked about that so many times. I want to be a mausoleum. Oh, okay. I want a whole mausoleum, a really really creepy one. Okay, like mm-hmm. her. Anyways, um, <laughs> I want a mausoleum. <laughs> to live in this. Oh dear. Um, but yeah. So that can be that can be very helpful. I love this. I guess this may be love this. in things to keep in mind, I guess. Um, not, it's not necessarily a step. It should have been a different I, category. I feel Sorry. like this, this could be a step because what if you're getting all of these questions at the end of all this? They're still, they still are curious. They still don't understand. And you don't have the answers. Then you say... I don't know. I don't know. I say that a lot. Really, really, really acceptable as an answer. It's frustrating. Also, side note: apparently, I say I don't know a lot because I I keep hearing Leo right now is uh, mimicking that back. That's his answer to everything right now. I don't know, and (laughs) I don't know. And it like the way that he says it is my exact same cadence and like everything, and it's super frustrating um <laughs> but um, <Maybe> you <laughs> but that is an acceptable answer because like we don't you don't want to lie in this scenario you don't want to invent something and you don't want to just push things on your child your emotions on your child so saying like you know why did bad people do this why do bad things happen why do people die like questions that you don't know the answer to it's really really okay to say i don't know i like that and then the last one is above all reassure at the end of the conversation reassure your children that you will do everything you know how to do to keep them safe and to watch out for them Mm. reassure them that you will be available to answer any questions or talk about this topic again in the future reassure them that they are loved and again, I think I think that this is also one that is in a groundwork stage of like, yes, that is what you need to do at the end of it. But it is something, it is something you should should kind of be doing all the time. Answer those questions that they have. I, you know, I have a two year old, so John and I try really hard to when he asks why over and over again to give him an answer every single one of the time oh, it's super hard. I love it. And bluey the, they make a game out of it. Like if the kids mm. ask it and the parent finally gets to a point where they don't have an answer to the why, then the kid wins. And, um, it's very cute, but anyways, I, like that. I, I haven't seen that episode. Yeah. It's oh bluey. We love you. Bluey. Bluey's the best. The kids show for adults. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's great to keep in mind that like, if you are not answering your children's questions when they're not important, a child is not going to have that confidence in you that you're going to answer their questions when they are important. So it's just something that we got to do all the time have that relationship with our children all of the time. So when hard things happen, we already have that foundation. I like that. 
I just, I like that. I like everything built on trust, trust and openness. And I am referring to this a lot as like parents and children. That's why what most of these articles were written in. But if you are a teacher, we've all had children in our class who are going through really hard, terrible things where, you know, you have parents who are going through separations. You have parents who are going through cancer treatments and illnesses. As a teacher, you are handling this way more often and you don't get quite as much time to answer these. So it's maybe even more important for teachers to have this in their toolbox too. Okay. So things to keep in mind. Number one, take care of yourself. Oof, amen. Can you imagine if you're starting to degrade and your child's watching that? Shout yeah. out to anyone who's seen Bridgerton season two. That was a really hard episode. I did think they were I need to Everyone says I need to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I did not expect them to tackle grief as much as they did. Um, really? I'm making a lot of light of this, but I do like Bridgerton a lot. Every season is, is centered around a emotionally stunted man who cannot figure <laughs> out how to deal with his emotions. There's usually a really big so It's like real life. No, just kidding. Yeah, just yeah. kidding. Life Im- art imitates life. Uh, like season one, it's it's the, the guy, his father was abusive. And so he was like, I don't want anyone to rely on me because he's like, all I've seen is like a family figure that's abusive. And it's like, oh, okay, like fair enough. Season two, I didn't understand. I was like, why is this guy being so like, I don't want love. Like his dad died and his mom was like upset. And I'm like, okay, like, dude, that's like not a good reason not to like want love. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen, like, skip the next 10 seconds. Um, his mom like went into a, a, a year of severe depression and she almost mm-hmm. tried to kill herself. Mm-hmm. So dad, so, so the son was like, um, what's the point of love? If it makes you so miserable when you lose somebody. And I was like, <laughs> like, that's really, ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, poor sad boy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Everything we do is going to affect our children uh, for better or for worse. Uh, Traumatize them for life so they don't want to marry a beautiful woman. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Sorry, making light of this is not a light subject. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just every every day I wonder what I did today to to mess up Leo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah anyways so <laughs> this has been a fun episode um but yes i love Not this one take care of yourself first and foremost you know everyone knows the airplane metaphor a metaphor with the airbags oh oh yes i was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let it fly over your head <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um i liked this yeah take a break engage in physical activity, do something that will lift your spirits and those of your family, turn off the news that sometimes I feel really guilty for doing that. Yeah. And I, I, I feel very guilty. That's a really important one for mental health sometimes of just being like, yep. So you are allowed to take a step back from it when you need to for your mental health. Um, and then of course, seek professional help if you can, that's not accessible to everyone, unfortunately, but never hesitate. If you are able to get professional help, 
there are spaces to reach out. Yeah. I mean, my husband and I investing in this, I cannot say enough about the Finch app, which is a self-care app that makes you raise a baby bird based on self-care tactics. Tell me about that. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard of. We constantly send each other the words of affirmation, little gifts and whatnot. That is wonderful. I cannot love that enough. Okay. So this was kind of a little side note. These tips and strategies can help you guide your children through the current crisis. If you are feeling stuck, overwhelmed, Mm. or your child shows persistent signs of stress or agitation, you may want to consider talking to someone who could help. A licensed mental health professional, such as a psychologist, can assist you in in developing an appropriate strategy for moving forward. So, yeah, never. No shame in help. Yeah, never, ever shy away from help. And like when in doubt, ask for help. Just always. If you're you're worried that the way that your child is acting is, which I'll get to that a little bit more in a second. I have our closing song today. It's going to be help. I need somebody help or, or, hey, G, don't, don't be me. afraid. Oh, oh. Take a make it better. Okay. Anyways, we only have a limited amount of time. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so in this things to keep in mind, the next one is routines. Children find mm-hmm. great comfort in routines. Adults do as well. So if you need some time alone, try to find relatives or friends who can help keep your child's life as normal as possible. It's important to grieve over the death of a loved one or a hard situation or loss, but it is also important for your child to understand that life does go on. So talk to your child very clearly about any routines that may change prepare them as much as you can, maybe even use a picture chart to show the schedule. If it's going to be pretty different than normal, just make sure that they know what the changes are going to be. And as much as possible, try to keep their routines the same. Routine is very important for early education. Yes. Essentially. Super big, super big. And you're already, if you're the one who is struggling with grief, like you cannot afford to get out of the routine because your child will start acting crazy. And then you will have to deal with that on top of it. And yeah. Mourn that loss. Yeah. Um, so then allow spaces for processing. So we talked about this in episode 14, magic monsters and make believe, but children process in different ways than adults do. So in that episode, we addressed how powerful a tool play is for children and how they sometimes use dramatic play to process trauma. We talked about the soldier story, about the children playing war, and we shared, we saw some different kinds of pandemic play during the pandemic of lots of talk about like diseases and like contagion and stuff like that. And viruses was, that was really central to a lot of play as children was processing it. Also keep in mind that they, uh, if your child is experiencing grief, they might regress in skill. So maybe they will start to act younger, start having potty accidents, use uh, baby talk even. And mm. this one is a hard one to see, um, but it's pretty normal as they might even express negative feelings towards a person who has died or something along those lines. 
And they definitely could have pretty extreme mood swings, especially like you'll see them crying and then go straight to playing. Um, keep in mind that that is really like playing is a tool that children use to process things. Right. So that is a really normal thing. But yeah, when in doubt about if your child is coping in a healthy way, never be afraid to reach out and ask a professional. So we want to provide them with out- outlets because they are going to experience grief in different ways. So provide open-ended dramatic play materials so that they can use it in the ways that they need. Provide books about death and about feelings. Yeah, make sure your atelier is stocked because a child might feel the most comfortable expressing themselves through drawing pictures or telling stories. And it is also a good idea for your child and for you to have some fun activities available. You -hmm. might want a break from the grief to make a cake or play with Play-Doh, maybe even watch a favorite movie. So if you don't feel up to coming up with something, reach out and ask someone to bring over activities or to do them with you or your child. I have a highlighted story on my personal Instagram at Miss Lucy Place called Activity Kit that has just like a bunch of activities that I made for a friend who had just had a baby to keep her older children occupied. So you can use those activities yourself if you need a resource. There's lots of lots of resources. You could use that yourself or or you could send it as an idea to somebody who would like to help most people want to help. They just don't know how. So if you can send that to somebody you love or ideas to somebody you love and say like, I really think that this would help. Could you bring me this? Most people will be willing to do it. And it would be very healing for them as well to be able to help you. I like that a lot. Get others involved. Takes a community, right? For sure. Yep. Yep. And even like, Oh, I should look and see if I can find this. Uh, my, there, there's some groups who like, you can even like, I think there's like an app or website or something where you can just like send in that you need a lasagna and someone in your community will bring you over a lasagna or <laughs> so like there, I'd like to be a part of that. The internet is a really weird place, but also a very cool place. And there's lots of resources now. I bet you could even ask on like local Facebook groups buy nothing, your buy nothing page. You might be able to ask on there, be like, I'm really struggling. Does anyone have this kind of toy or does anyone have extra glue that they would be able to to bring me to make slime with my kids because I'm dealing with this right now or like something like that. Like just ask the worst people can say is no, you know, exactly. Which we really need Um, today at the alteration shop specifically, we had someone come in and they were getting a pair of pants altered and they asked if it could be ready tomorrow. I started telling them how much it would cost to get it done within a day. That's very expensive to turn it around. Mm-hmm. My boss stepped in. He turns he'd overheard them talking. They were going to a funeral. Her mother had passed uh... away uh, last week and um, he was like, we're just going to cover it. We're just going to, we're just going to cover it. And I didn't even realize he heard that. I hadn't heard that. He just so happened to have caught that part of the conversation. And it was his small way of expressing, oh, you know, communal sweet. feeling. So they'll have a nice pair of pants tomorrow morning, the husband, and they're going to go, you know, enjoy the rest of their day. Oh. As much as they can. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. People, people are good. The last one 
I guess my final thoughts too are just adults can't take kids pain away, but they can help them cope in healthy ways. Mm. We want so badly as parents and teachers to project our children from all of the bad, but not only is that not an option, it kind of gets in the way of growth. The hard moments in our life define us. They teach us empathy, compassion, and grit. They teach us how to move forward. And they are often the moments that show us our life callings. You know, there's lots of stories of tragedies uh, um, or, or even uh, my friend, her daughter was born with CF and she's really found it her, like her work to raise money for CF and to try to help try to find some sort of cure. You know, there are people who find their callings in these hard moments, these moments of grief. Our job is not to block these from children. Our job is to support them and love them through so that the moment doesn't succeed in pushing them down, but can lift them higher. I hate that old term, you know, it builds character, but this is kind of one of those ways in which it does. You battle through the worst to come out a little stronger on the other side. If we have people who are helping us get through it, that is our role. Yeah. Takes a village. Yep be there for them. Mm -hmm. So I cannot express how important that is and love the people in my life that are there for me. And that applies in all walks of life. Yeah. Well, this has been very heavy. Uh, Not our heaviest episode though. So um, could be worse. (laughs) Anyways. um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking through this hard topic. Hopefully it helps someone and um, it really helps. So, And uh, this might be a good episode to share with a friend that you think is struggling. Hopefully it helps you. And we are so grateful that you're still listening here with us. It's been just a whole lot of fun, Lucy. I love every moment we get to have these conversations together. So don't forget to support us. There's many ways to do so, whether it's a like, a follow, a uh, positive review, or buying us a cup of coffee on buymeacoffee.com. There's a lot of options here. So help us out. Bring our moods up. (laughs) All right. The speckled bees buzzing out. What's our song? (laughs) No, I like the other one better for this, though. (laughs) What are you buzzing? What is this? Help. I need somebody. That is really hard to buzz. You're right. I'm dreaming how badly you're judging my singing abilities with buzzing. (laughs) Buzzkill. Oh, dear. (laughs) 